Good morning. Welcome back to another episode of Green Squad Chats. Always one of the best ways to start my week off. The best way to start my Saturday morning off is jumping on a chat with these guys. And uh, today we're going to talk about something that is you know near and dear to us because we're all either active duty or we are veterans and we're also business owners, investors. And so today we're going to talk about you know, what is a lesson, a failure that we've had in the military that we have then taken that, learned from it, and been able to apply it to our businesses and investments? That's a great intro. So I'm going to talk about a pretty catastrophic mistake I made that affected me. And I'll lead off and tell you that it was the result of my own ego. So I was in a course, I just finished my second deployment. And I was deployed to Central America, had a really great time, led a small team there, came back and was in a course where six weeks in duration, and you handle a lot of sensitive materials. And part of that sensitive material process is there's a very structured way that you secure the things at the end of the day when you're done with the course at the end of every day, basically 5 p.m. or 6 p.m. you go home, there's a structured way you secure it. And I sought ways to save myself some time. It's a very in-depth course. And so it takes a lot of time. The schedule is very arduous. And so I I sought to save myself time by skipping some of those steps. And essentially the long story short is I got caught by one of the instructors skipping some of the steps to save myself time. And it was towards the end of the course. I was doing really well in the course. I was was performing really well. I got dropped from the course in week five. And uh, I was one of the senior guys in terms of rank. I was a lieutenant at the time. And that was a big wake-up call for me because I realized that I thought my performance as an individual and doing really well in the course in a way exempted me from the rules and I got caught pretty bad. It was it was really embarrassing. It was definitely a blow to my ego and very humbling experience. And I think from that, how I apply it to business now is don't get complacent regardless of what you accomplish. That doesn't mean you can start skipping these steps that enabled high performance to start with because that's what got you to this point so far. And so I try to remember that now to not get slack on the things, the discipline type things and the the doing the right thing when you know it's the right thing to do and not doing the easy way simply because it's easier. A lot of times the easy way is not the right way. So that was a really, uh, a really big point that I learned in pain as a young lieutenant. So that was about, uh, let me think here, that was about seven years ago, I wanna say. Yeah, and you've been able to, and those since those seven years, you've been able to kind of apply that lesson to your businesses as well, and maybe in the even in the military. Yeah, so I think obviously it's not apples for apples comparison here, but I think one of the ways that it applies, one quick easy way, is analysis. Don't start getting really loose on your analysis of an investment just because you've had a lot of successful investments. I see, I see some people do that the wrong way, and I think to do that is reckless, and you're going to get caught at some point. Actually, I've been caught. I've been caught with a pri- I don't want to go into details because it's still a pending situation, but I was doing some private loans and I had done a couple and I said, oh, this is going really well. And I took a bigger risk with one and that went poorly. And so here, here I am uh, kind of repeating some of the same lessons, which sometimes is needed. But for the most part, I've been able to take that lesson from the military that I, that I learned in pain and now apply it to apply it to my, the investing world. Sometimes we need a reminder but that's been very powerful for my journey. I've got one. I'll, I'll, uh, 
somewhat generic. The, the, the application can be broad. So uh, years ago, probably 15 years ago, as a relatively young helicopter pilot, was out in the California desert and uh, picking up some folks, moving them from one place to another on the east side of the Salton Sea. And uh, we were focused on a lot of things. There were a lot of things going on in the moment. And I forgot what the most important thing was for a, for a period of time. And we almost hit wires, you know, big power lines. Probably had 15 people in the aircraft in, in total between the crew and the folks we were, we were given a lift to. And uh, we came really close to, uh, to killing them all. Uh, and it was my fault. Uh, fortunately, got out of the situation, uh, very uncomfortable. Um, and uh, it, the, the takeaway was remembering what the most important thing is, right? And sometimes there can be more than one most important thing, right? Could be, uh, in, in this case, right, the thing that's going to kill me next needed my attention, and I did not have it. And I think the application of business is sometimes there's a lot of noise, and we need to be able to sort through the noise. We need to be able to figure out of all these things that are maybe coming at me or all these questions I'm being asked or decisions I need to make. What is the most important one? Where does my focus need to be right now? And I think sometimes if I start in a business decision, in a real estate decision, maybe a rehab where I'm juggling multiple sub subcontractors, working with different timelines, there may be only one or two of the 12 things I'm looking at that need to be solved right now or things that should really inform the whole process. It's important to maybe slow it down and remember what the most important one of those things is so that we're making decisions that, that really drive us to the end state, right? And the, and the aircraft example, getting everybody safely where they needed to go was the most important thing. And if I'm not focused on that, that, that end state, uh, I'm going to get distracted and, and bad things can happen. It seems like those concepts are, um, they're tried and true and forged over hundreds of years of practice for basic leadership stuff, things we consider basic leadership stuff. Complacency, James, brings up a great point of those practices of securing that sensitive information are developed over time, trial and error, perfected as a, a a procedure that is effective and we oftentimes and I, I've been guilty of this as well James where I, I think I I think I have a better way a faster more efficient way and uh, I've learned that hard lesson many times one of the things that makes me think about is the lessons I've learned in the military are we operate oftentimes in a high degree of uncertainty and we're we're really effective at you know, say planning, right? All you guys have done is pilots do very intentional, specific planning before every mission. Same with uh, same with James in, in his field. And, and for us, for me, like, you know, we have a very detailed planning process. But I think the one thing that we're really, really good at is risk acceptance. A lot of people would call it risk mitigation, and it relates directly to uncertainty. And this is exactly what experience every day in business is, hey, I, I'm only going to have so much of the information and I know I have to take action in order to win. So do I understand the risk? And the lesson for me that I've learned over and over again in the military is to, to identify what the risk is and what risk I'm willing to accept and then to boldly execute on it. Um, so I'll give you an example in our business, Flipping Houses, like we, de we determine what an after repair value is on a 
property. And we've got data to back that up, but there are variables that can affect that, that maybe you don't see. The layout could be a little bit different, which could affect the way people feel about the house. It could be on a double yellow line. It could be the market could change. Interest rates could go up. There are variables that I don't control. So I have to be comfortable accepting a certain level of risk. The same thing as if I was going to execute a mission, I have to understand the risk and figure out what risk acceptance is. So I think that that to me is probably one of the best skills and advantages in the military and lessons we've all learned, I'm sure, many times where we, we made a calculation, accepted risk, and it probably didn't work out exactly how we wanted it to. Um, but that, that to me is, is just a, a skill that we sharpen every day in the military that totally relates to business on a day-to-day basis. I agree, Adam. I was a young sergeant in my first deployment in Iraq. And at the time we were doing an engineer project and I was in a compactor. My job was to be in the three mile an hour compactor. Well, I had to, had to get the compactor on the other end of the flight line. That means going a mile and a half at three miles an hour. And I was like, well, that's going to take too long. So I looked at the airfield and I crossed the airfield, which is a huge no-no, but I crossed it right at the edge of where the lights are. I think, you know, there's lights that the pilots use to line up for the airway to land. And I knew that there was no airplane that was going to land like right on top of the lights. And so I crossed the airline, the, the tower, saw me do it, radioed. And then of course, I'm standing in front of the man, like, why in the world would you do that? And and I explained to him the very thing that you just talked about, Adam, that I'd looked at the airfield and that was the safest spot to be able to go and cross without, you know, mitigating as much risk as I possibly could. And fortunately, um, you know, the battalion commander was like, all right, don't do that. But I understand where you came from. And that uh, was a good lesson for me early on in, in my military career to maybe too much risk is, is not worth it, but mitigating and understanding and living in the gray to make the best decision we can with the information we can, uh, that we currently have. This is great stuff. So it's reminding me, James, back to your initial example, and this is all going to tie together, but you mentioned, um, you had this thought that as long as you were getting the job done, you were doing really well in this course. And as long as you had the end result that the job was getting done the way, and you were performing the way you were supposed to, that that's all that mattered. Um, and I think what that relates, what that relates to me, and then what Adam's talking about, and Travis about understanding the risk and what kind of risk we're assuming, and trying to make the best decisions we can make. It reminds me that sometimes the outcome is separate from whether or not it was actually a good decision or not, because the decision-making process, the planning process, turning assumptions into facts or otherwise that then becomes risk if you can't turn that into a fact. That process of making a good decision is separate from now my end result happens and there were a whole bunch of external factors that maybe I couldn't plan for or that I didn't plan for and that you know they got a vote. And so then my outcome was different. And, and because of that, I think the focus a lot of times maybe should be more what we're talking about, which is how do we make the best decision that we can because what we can control is in that planning factor, try uncovering those assumptions, turning them into facts and making the best decision we can. And then boom, going with it. How do we hone that skill and get better at that? I don't know. It, 
Does anyone have anything to add on that? Well, I think when, when Adam was talking about yeah. that, I, I was picturing that the more the things that I can assume to validate gives me greater room to pivot, right? It like fattens up my, my buffer ability. And I know from an engineering standpoint, like I'm making a road. Well, there's three things you need to do to make a road. You grade, you water, and you compact. Well, sometimes you may not do those exact same things, but you're going to do you're going to do those same things, but you may do them in a different order, or you may repeat one step more frequently than the other. And you know, and then you're it just I think more you can validate the uh, the your assumptions gives you greater room to pivot, and that that is power, and that creates creativity. To go to your point, Brandon, that it gives you it opens your mind up to more possibilities and like uh, more adaptability. I have two things on this real quick. I was telling my team, this just kind of hit me in the face all of a sudden. I was telling my team this last week, because I'm still onboarding them. They're fresh to you know being hired and I'm big on establishing the right culture and making sure they understand the philosophy for the future. But I was telling them this past week, our success to this point has been predicated on not being absolutely perfect, but doing a more thorough job, even if it's just slightly more thorough and more detailed, more deliberate, uh, just better in general, even just slightly than the norm. If we just do a little bit better than the norm, that enables higher performance. And that's what's enabled higher performance for our businesses so far. So how that relates to my story originally, and a lot of what you guys are saying now is I failed to do the small things right. I just had the end goal in mind. Maybe I can get out of here faster and save myself time and do this report that I need to do. And they're grading the report and not securing my materials with the right process at the end of the day. So I skipped that step and that's, you know, a small thing that I didn't do slightly better and it caught me. So I'm not sure if that resonates with you guys, but let's talk about, let's talk about pivoting for a second. Uh, another time, this was not a failure on my part. This was actually a time I did really well with my military work. Um, we were deliberately planning for something for six months. It was a, a very important event that we were going to do. And uh, I was going to be in charge of it. I was in command of, of the event. And um, I won't go into too much detail, but my success in that when we eventually went to execute lied in the fact that I empowered my team to do really the main baseline planning, all the, all the things we could expect. They did all the planning and I focused exclusively on contingencies. They gave me the nickname contingency Jimmy because I had a backup plan on backup plan on backup plan for absolutely everything. And I use that a lot in business now where I, I like multiple exit strategies you know, if, if this contractor doesn't do well, I have a backup and here's the timeline for it. So I think, I think having backup plans and planning out your contingencies before you start getting involved in something is important. I'll give you an easy example. If you're a new investor, before you invest in a rental property, you should have a painter, a plumber, electrician, a handyman, a fence guy or a fence vendor, all these things lined up before you even have that problem. So then you can just execute when there is an issue. Cause you know, there's going to be an issue at some point. I love that, man. Something that's popping into my mind, this principle is resilience. I think that contingency planning is another way to say, Hey, I'm imagining the end. I'm imagining these other possibilities different than what my, my ideal vision is. And I'm starting to think of what I would do in those circumstances. And what you're doing is you're, you're building resilience into the plan because things are going to change. Even if you end up with your ideal vision, something probably changed from start to finish. And resilience, right, is the ability to be able to pivot when things do change and 
you get knocked down and you got to get back up. So it's that principle of resilience that I'm hearing with you guys right now, what you're talking about. We also see the impact, you know, we've had leaders, unfortunately, or work with people that were so risk adverse, right? That actually inhibits growth and inhibits progress and it inhibits the ability to create, to have creative thinking within that gray space, within that risk mitigation to, to be effective. I have one thing to add to that. And I think it's really important. Not making a decision is also being risk averse. And sometimes that can be the worst risk aversion. I will openly admit, I still struggle with that in business sometimes. And I got to take some extra time. I'm like, why am I having trouble making this decision? Once I identify what the cause is, I can usually think through what the right decision is. You have to be willing to accept that your decision may not be the right one, but a right decision now made for what you think are the right reasons will usually enable a positive result. Well, and I think to your point, James, or to everybody's points, there's risk everywhere, right? It's choosing which risk we want to accept. Not making a decision, sure, we could couch it as risk aversion. There is risk there. If restated, there's risk in uh, I'm risking the loss of this opportunity. I mean, I may not realize that the, the thing that I'm pursuing, I'm risking not achieving it by failing to make a decision. So I think there's risk everywhere. It's a matter of understanding it and choosing which risk I'm going to accept in the scenario, in the business decision, in the transaction, whatever the case may be. Yeah, you said that more gracefully than I did. You're absolutely correct. I had that conversation in the water yesterday, actually. A guy that is uh, about 10 years older than I am just got laid off and he's been looking for a job. And I'm like, man, I don't know what it's like to be in my late 50s having to look for a job and you're an executive and then you're no longer an executive. You're just some dude out there hustling and um, not having, you know, he doesn't invest. He's not an investor. I know what it's like to be in my late forties. It's not fun, very much fun, but um, <laughs> it's uh, yeah. And, and that just made me so grateful one to be a part of the green squad and two to be a part of for military millionaire. And then three to be able to have a little bit of, forward thinking, you know, Hey, how can I make my future better? I can do it by through real estate investing. And that it gave me a lot of, you know, it, not pride, but it gave me like confidence and it gave me, you know, that, that, uh, security that it's possible and that I can do it. And, 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 and it's, it's may not going to be easy, but it can definitely be worth it. I, I love it. it. The idea that having options, controlling some of the variables, like Adam mentioned, um, it, it goes back to something we talked about a little bit earlier, and that's resilient. You could have a W-2, you can enjoy it, you are working for somebody else, and that's fine, as long as it aligns with your deeper kind of blueprint, but you have less control over the variables. And so even if you are loving working your full-time job, your W-2 job, it still benefits you to have some other things on the side, some, some other income streams. Um, whether that's passive or whether that's, you know, an, a side hustle, if you want to call it that, or a side business, which I like the term better. Um, it's about having some options. It's about controlling some of those variables where you can, because you can't control everything so that you're more resilient. And, uh, you know, kind of with that, I, I think that that's a good way to sum it up and kind of end it for this week's episode. You know, we started with that failure in one aspect of your life that you could learn from and apply to another aspect, which kind of led into principles-based decision-making, factoring in the variables and contingencies 
to make sound decisions and coming from a place of more resilience, that's about the best you can do before those external factors come in and, and get a vote. So with that, I will sign off another awesome episode of Green Squad Chats. Thank you for joining us. Please leave a review. Uh, if there's anything we can do to make it better for you, please let us know that. And uh, if you're watching on YouTube, hit the subscribe button and we'll see you next time. Thank you.